0: Have you ever heard something so ridiculous that your response was to burst out laughing? Um, There's a a movie, a scene in in the Disney film The Lion King, where uh, the the young um, lion cub Simba and his friend Nala are exploring in this elephant graveyard. And while they're there, these three hyenas come out. And they begin joking about eating these little lion cubs for dinner. Um, and so Simba and Nala, they run away. They're tr- you know trying to get away from these hyenas. But at one point, they eventually get cornered by the hyenas. And as these hyenas are walking towards them, Simba attempts to roar at them. Um, he, he does his best to try to scare them away. But all that comes out is this little cat-like Kind of a yowl. And, and so the hyenas, all they can do and as they see this little lion cub trying to chase them away is they just burst out laughing at him. And they kind of say, ooh, that was it? Do it again. Do it again. Come on. And so the hyenas, are, they're, they're laughing at this seemingly ridiculous attempt of this little lion cub to try to scare them away. But then... Simba opens his mouth again to roar and this time all you hear as you're watching the movie is this full-grown lion roar. And the hyenas are shocked and confused and suddenly Simba's father, Mufasa, jumps out and charges at the hyenas, knocking them down until they're cringing underneath him. They're not laughing anymore with Mufasa there, as the, the powerful lion king puts them in their place, tells them never to bother uh, his son again, and, and Mufasa shows these hyenas who's really in charge. Well, in our text today, we're going to see a moment when, when someone, uh, it's, it's actually Abraham's wife, Sarah, laughs at a situation that seems ridiculous and kind of impossible to her, But God actually confronts her and shows her that he is powerful and that nothing is impossible for him. Uh, We've been going through this this sermon series over the last couple months called Abraham, a journey of faith. And and, uh, along this journey, uh, last week, we saw this moment where God reaffirmed the covenant that he had made with Abraham. And he did this when Abraham was 99 years old. And in in that moment, he specified that Sarah was going to be the one who was going to have a child, who was going to have the child of the promise. And it was going to happen the very next year, even though she was 90 years old. And Abraham, we saw this last week, that his response was to laugh, that he laughed when he, he heard this from God. But God reassured him that it was true. Um, You know, there's probably just the initial shock of hearing this. And so in today's text, God once again appears to Abraham and Sarah. This time he does it a little bit differently. He does it actually in the form of a man, of a human being. Um, and, And he again makes this promise of Sarah bearing a child. And this time, Sarah laughs. And God's response to this is this question, which is my sermon title this morning, is anything too hard For the Lord. Is anything too hard for the Lord? We're going to look at at the ways that, that we sometimes act like Sarah, times where we may doubt God's ability to do the impossible. And we're going to look at how God responds to us just as he responds to Sarah. So our text today is Genesis chapter 18. We'll be reading verses 1 through 15 uh, and you can follow along on the screen or you can follow along in the, the, screen, or you can, um, along in the Bibles and the pews or your own. So Genesis 18, beginning with verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat, so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three siahs of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well-advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself. As she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word uh, to us today. We pray that you would open it up to us, Lord, and search our hearts, uh, convict us, Lord, encourage us, uh, point us to you, the God who keeps your promises, who does the impossible, who can do far beyond what we can ask or imagine, and call us to trust in you, Lord. So we invite your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts now, in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to start by looking at the reality of doubting God, uh, doubting God. We, we see this in, in Sarah, in our passage but we also often do the very same thing in our lives. Uh, at the beginning of our text, we are introduced to these three men who come to visit Abraham uh, while he's resting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of day. And verse 1 um, identifies one of these men as the Lord himself. It kind of sets it up from the very beginning, saying, the Lord appeared. So we, we the, the readers, the audience, know That the Lord is appearing to him as these three are coming to him. Um, And actually, at the beginning of the next chapter, chapter 19, we learn that the other two men were angels. So one of them is is God in in the person of this human being, and then there's these angels with him. Now, there's some debate um, about when it is exactly that Abraham realizes that these three visitors were not just ordinary men. Some people think he, he knew it right off the bat. Other people think that it took him a little while to figure this out. But by the time they ask Abraham, where is your wife Sarah? Abraham must have at that point known that something was out of the ordinary with these visitors. Because not only did they know his wife's name, but they actually knew the new name that God had given to her. Not Sarai, but they call her Sarah. And so at this point, Abraham at least is kind of wondering, how how do they know my wife's name? How do they know, know her new name? And then in verse 10, the man who's identified to us as the Lord says, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, this is exactly what the Lord had told Abraham At the end of the chapter before, in chapter 17, where he told Sarah's going to have a child, and he mentions even, it'll happen about this time next year. And so here, God is is appearing in a different kind of way to both Abraham and Sarah to communicate this news very clearly. He's making it clear, it's going to happen next year. Sarah's going to have a child. Now, when God told Abraham about Sarah having a child in the previous chapter... I think it's reasonable to imagine that Abraham probably would have shared that news with Sarah, right? that he would have probably told his wife, hey, by the way, God appeared to me the other day, and he told me that Ishmael's not going to be the heir, but actually you're going to have a son, and it's going to come through you. It's going to be the son Isaac. And, and so Sarah had probably heard this news already from her husband, from, from Abraham. But here she's now hearing it again directly from the Lord, in the person of this visiting stranger. And you might think that that would be enough to convince Sarah to believe it, that it's it's actually true. But it's not. Sarah, she struggles to believe this. She, she, She doubts. And verse 11 reminds us why it was so hard for her to believe this. Um, verse 11 reminds us, Abraham and Sarah were already old and well-advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Uh, the Hebrew phrase behind that literally means that Sarah had reached menopause, um, that physically she could not have a child at her age. It was, she knew it was, it was over. And so verse 12 tells us, So Sarah laughed to herself. As she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Sarah laughs quietly to herself. She, she just can't believe that this could actually happen for her. Can you relate to Sarah? Do you ever find yourself quietly? Quietly? doubting God, you know, kind of inside being like, oh, really, God, are you, are you really going to do this? You know, you're supposed to believe that, that God can do anything, but you're having a hard time believing that, that maybe he could actually do something in, in this particular situation. You know, maybe it's a health concern. A sickness that you're dealing with, or, or a diagnosis that you received, or a condition that you were born with, or, or mar- maybe one of those things for someone who you really love, who you care about, and, and they've received a diagnosis, or, or they're really sick, and, and you wonder, can God really heal you? Can He really heal that other person? You doubt it. You wonder. Or maybe it's a relational issue. You're, it's... it's some tension in your marriage, maybe, maybe your marriage is, is falling apart or, or you have a, an estranged child, a broken relationship with a with child, or maybe it's, it's, a, it's just a conflict that, that hasn't been resolved with, with a sibling or, or a friend, and, and you wonder, is reconciliation really possible? I mean, could, could God actually heal this relationship? Maybe it's a spiritual issue. It's, it's a sin that that you keep committing, and 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 you're just you keep falling into temptation, and or, or it's an aspect of your faith that that you're struggling to understand and to believe. It's you know so there's something in it. That's just oh, I I want to believe that, but it's really hard to. Or or maybe it's an aspect of your character that you really want to change. You recognize that there's there's this part of you that, that you just struggle with, and you wish that you could be different, but, but it's not changing, and, and you wonder, is, is change even possible? Could God actually do anything about this? Could you really be set free? Will you ever have the answers that you've been looking for? Maybe you feel overwhelmed by something happening in our world, the news of this coronavirus outbreak, or, or the political divide in our nation, or or climate change, or racism, or whatever bigger issue, and you you just wonder, are things ever going to change? Could God actually do something about this situation? And underneath all these questions that we can sometimes ask, there sometimes lurks a deeper, more fundamental doubt, is God really real? And if he is, is he good? Can I trust him? Does he have my good in mind? Why doesn't he always heal? Why do I keep struggling with the same things? Why didn't God stop this or that tragedy from happening? And these are all questions and doubts that that many of us wrestle with, that, that come into our minds. But here's the thing. I think for a lot of us, we don't want to admit that. You know, there are some people in our world who, who laugh outwardly at the idea of an all-knowing, all-powerful, loving, and good God. They're proud of their unbelief. They would very openly laugh. Oh, How can you believe in, in a God who can do anything? That's That's ridiculous. But for most of us, we're not doing that, but, but we, we don't want to admit that there might be times where inwardly we kind of laugh at the idea of God doing something miraculous or doing something that seems impossible, that, that we struggle to believe that God can actually do that still today. And that's exactly what we see with Sarah. Sarah as well in this passage. Because the next thing I want to look at is the reality of hiding our doubts. Hiding our doubts. Sarah didn't think that anyone heard her laugh. She was in the tent. She laughed to herself. But then we read in verse 13, then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? See, the Lord heard Sarah's laugh. He knew her thoughts. He saw her doubts. He knew it all. And he tells this to Abraham, knowing, as he tells it to Abraham, that Sarah can also hear him. And Sarah is embarrassed by this. She doesn't want to admit that she laughed. You know, when she's doing it just to herself, she she thinks it's not a big deal. But all of a sudden she's exposed and she realizes that, oh, actually, God knows that I laughed. God knows that I I sort of questioned him. And, And so she doesn't want to admit that she laughed. She doesn't want to acknowledge her lack of faith. And so verse 15 says, Sarah was afraid so she lied and said, I did not laugh. Sarah hides her doubts. She lies about the fact that she laughed to herself. Now, I just want you to think about this. It's not exactly the smartest thing to lie to someone who just told you what you were thinking, right? I mean, I don't know what Sarah's thinking here that like, that God's going to respond. oh, you, you didn't laugh, Sarah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, my, my mistake, I, I didn't realize that, that you know, I, I, was, I was wrong there. No, of course not. God knows. She tries to, to hide it, though. She's not going to fool God with this lie. And yet this is exactly what we often think that we can do. That we're confronted with our sin or our lack of faith. And our response is to cover it up. To deny it. To hide it. To to make an excuse for it. To, we don't want to admit our our struggles. And we see this with the very first sin in the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve eat the fruit from the forbidden tree. They hear God walking in the garden, and what do they do? They hide. They hide. Do they really think they can hide from God? But yet that's what they do. And God calls to Adam, Where are you? God knows where they are, but he's calling them to come out of the hiding. And Adam responds, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked. And so I hid. Why did Adam hide? because I was afraid. It was fear that led him to hide, and that's exactly what happens with Sarah. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't do it. A few weeks ago, I was helping my son Lucas with his homework, and Rochelle was uh, cooking dinner, Um, and suddenly we both kind of realized that Sophia was really quiet. Um, so Rochelle went over to, to her um, and asked, what's going on? But Sophia had her mouth shut and remained very quiet. And, and it looked like Sophia had something in her mouth. So Rochelle asked her to open her mouth, but Sophia was not going to open her mouth. And, uh, and so she, then she said, you know, asked her to give her whatever was in her mouth. Sophia kept that mouth shut. At this point, I came over and told her, you know, Sophia, listen to your mom, open up your mouth, and it took a couple more times, but finally she opened her mouth, and we saw that she had an entire mouthful of jelly beans. Um, But not just any jelly beans, it was the entire bag of jelly beans that her brother Lucas had been given from a friend of his. And Lucas did not respond very well to this at this point. Um, But Sophia had seen the the bag of jelly beans lying out, and and she knew they were Lucas's, but she realized no one was watching her, and, and so she dumped that entire bag into her mouth. And when we confronted her, she tried to hide it, right? She knew what she'd done was wrong, but she didn't want to admit it. She wanted to keep that mouth shut, and she didn't want to open her mouth. Why not? Because she was afraid, right? She was afraid. What would happen if she, if she was found out? What would happen if she, if she opened her mouth and, and we realized what she'd done? We're going to come back to that in a moment about what happened there. But why did Adam and Eve hide after eating the forbidden fruit? It was because they were afraid. Why did Sarah lie about not laughing? Because she was afraid. What were they afraid of? They were afraid of God's judgment. They were afraid that God would judge them for their disobedience. Sarah was afraid that, that God would judge her for her lack of faith. That, and, and this fear of judgment, this fear of Of condemnation, guilt, it often leads us to to try to hide our sin, to to not want to admit it. But how does God respond to Sarah? And how does He respond to us and our doubts? How does He respond to moments when we may hide those doubts? Well, I want to. Look here at the end at, at God's response. We have our doubts, we have hiding our doubts, and now um, God's response. Well, the first part of God's response is that He exposes our doubts and our hiding. He brings it out into the open, He, he, he makes us face it. Uh, God exposed Sarah's doubts when He spoke to Abraham about her laughing, right? He revealed that. Sarah, I know. I know you're doubting me. And when Sarah's response was to deny this and try to hide her doubts, God exposed that too. Um, The end of verse 15 says, when she says, I didn't laugh, verse 15 says, but he said, yes, you did laugh. (laughs) He just brings it right into her face. I know you laughed, Sarah. And the text kind of leaves it there. With, with Sarah facing this reality that, that God knows that, that she laughed. God doesn't let her get away with her lie. He exposes it. He brings it out into the open. But he doesn't do this to humiliate her. He doesn't do this to condemn her. He actually exposes our doubts. He exposes our doubts. Are hiding, in order to free us from our doubts. In order to free us from our hiding. And that's the other part of God's response, which is that he shows mercy and calls us beyond our doubts. He shows mercy and calls us beyond our doubts. Let's grab that next slide there, Kai. Okay? Um, God shows mercy to Sarah. You know, God could have said to Sarah, Sarah, because you doubted me, I'm withdrawing what I was going to do for you. You're no longer going to have a son. You know, you, you doubted me, you didn't believe me, so everything's off. But that's not what God does. After God reveals the fact that he heard Sarah laughing, he says in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord. I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. What does God do? He reaffirms the promise to Abraham and Sarah. He says, Sarah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to come back next year. You're going to have a son. Even though you don't believe it, it's still going to happen. I'm not giving up on you. I'm going to fulfill my promise. God did this, if you remember, we've seen this actually time and time again in the story of Abraham. Basically, every time that Abraham and Sarah try to take things into their own hands or they fail to trust God, what is God's response? He's always responding with mercy. We saw it back when Abraham, Abraham and Sarah went down to Egypt, and, and Abraham lied about the fact that, you know, saying that Sarah was his sister and not really wanted to admit that, that, that she was his wife, but God didn't give up on them then. And, and he did it when, when Abraham was questioning God, saying, "Are you, you know, how are you going to really do that? Are you really going to give the land? And, and he starts wondering if maybe his servant Eliezer should be the heir, but, but God just makes this covenant with him. We saw it when Abraham and Sarah even take things into their own hands, and, and, and Abraham sleeps with Hagar, and she gives birth to Ishmael, and, and they're, they're completely going outside of what God wanted, and yet God says, I'm reaffirming my covenant with you. You know, they keep failing to trust him, but God continues to be merciful to them. He keeps fulfilling his promises. And what he does, what he's doing, and we're going to see this, especially in these next couple chapters, is that God, as he continues to come after them and say, I'm for you. You can trust me. You don't need to take things into your own hands. You don't need to fear. I'm with you. I'm not going to abandon you. That over time, they finally start to trust him as he is faithful to them, as he doesn't give up on them, that it begins to build their faith in him, that he's calling them beyond their doubts. After Sophia revealed to us that she had eaten all of Lucas's jelly beans, she started to cry. She knew what she'd done was wrong. And there was a part of me that wanted to To punish her and really make sure she knew what she'd done was wrong and she can't do this again. But I knew in that moment that what was much more important in that moment was to walk her through a process of confessing her sin and receiving forgiveness from us. So, after she calmed down, I sat her down and we talked through what happened. And she admitted that Yes, she knew the jelly beans belonged to Lucas, and she knew that she shouldn't have taken them, and that she should have asked him instead. We always emphasize that ask, don't just take. And she knew that she needed to ask him for forgiveness. And so, what we did was we we sat down together and we wrote out a note to Lucas. To tell him that, that she was wrong and, and that she was sorry. And she gave the note to Lucas and she told him that, that she was sorry. And Lucas just looked at his sister and said, I forgive you, Sophia. And we, we still had to have some consequences. You know, she couldn't have any sweets or desserts for the next couple days. Because she did need to learn that there were some consequences to, to taking her brother's jelly beans. But here's the thing. I was amazed when I saw the impact of helping lead her through the reality of acknowledging her sin, the fact that she'd done this wrong thing, and feeling the weight of that, but confessing it and then receiving forgiveness. Not judgment, not condemnation, but saying, You're forgiven. What you did was wrong. But God forgives you, and I forgive you. And what happened as a result of that was a restored relationship a restored relationship with her brother, a restored relationship with with me and Rochelle. Trust was rebuilt on the other side. And just as a side note, I just ask you please don't tease Sophia about jelly beans. I know that might be tempting. But it was a very tender moment for Rochelle and me and her. Um, So I'm sharing with you for the sake of this learning process, but we'll keep it here, if that's all right. Um, But here's the thing. God, he shows us mercy to show that we can trust him. That we can go to him with our fears and with our sin and with our doubts And he does it to show us that he can bring us beyond our doubts. To show us that we can trust him. That that as he says to, to Abraham and Sarah, is there anything too hard for the Lord? If God can forgive our sins and show us mercy, even when we doubt him, is anything too hard for him? if he was willing to, to take on flesh and become one of us and bear our sins in our place on the cross, is anything too hard for him? Can't we trust in his goodness? Can't we trust that he can do even impossible things? God shows us mercy, which calls us beyond our doubts. And here's the amazing thing. This happens with Sarah. We see this. that We don't, we don't see the immediate response, right, where, where God tells her, yes, you did. But in our scripture reading from Hebrews chapter 11, we get this glimpse. The writer of Hebrews says there in verse 11, By faith, even Sarah, who was past age, was enabled to bear children because of she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. Sarah came around. She moved past her doubts to trust the one who had made the promise to her. And when Isaac was finally born, guess what happened? She laughed again, but this time it was a laughter of joy. In Genesis twenty-one six, it says Sarah said, God. Has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. God brings Sarah through that doubt to bring her to a place of trust and even to laugh as as she sees God provide. So, are you stuck in a situation that feels too hard for the Lord? Think about that. Is there something in your life right now that that you just feel, this is too hard for the Lord? Are you tempted to doubt God in his goodness? And are you afraid to admit that to him? Are you afraid to to bring those doubts to him? Maybe this morning, God has been exposing your doubts. Maybe he's been revealing to you how, how limited your view of him really is. And if you're feeling exposed today, don't hide. Don't lie and say, oh, I don't doubt. No, bring those doubts to him. Confess them to him. Ask him for forgiveness for doubting him, and then receive his forgiveness and his mercy for you, which he accomplished for you through his death and resurrection, and then rest in the fact that the same God who became human in the person of Jesus, who paid for the sin of the world, who is truly dead, and then came back to life again, that that God, he can do the impossible in your life, in our church, in our world. We don't know what he's going to do. But we can trust him. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No. There is nothing too hard for him. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us for our lack of faith. Forgive us for doubting your promises, for doubting your ability to transform even hard situations and to bring good out of them. Forgive us for doubting that you are with us, that you will not abandon us. Lord, we so often are like Sarah. We laugh to ourselves and we silently don't have a lot of faith in you and your ability to transform people or situations and forgive us, God, forgive us. Help us not to hide it, but to come out and bring it to you, that you would be able to encourage us and remind us, Lord, that you are the God who is able to do far above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine, and you showed it to us in Jesus. When you became human, and you died for us, and you paid for our sin in full, and you rose again from the dead, is there anything too hard for you? No. No, there isn't. Increase our faith to trust you, God, to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.